You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey there, it's Blasco, and this is a new level. Welcome to episode four. My guest today is Eric German. Eric is a lawyer and partner at the law firm of Mitchell, Silberberg, and Nup, where he currently represents dozens of artists, songwriters, and producers with a wide range of talent, ranging from AWOL Nation to Asking Alexandria and newcomers Bad Wolves. He began his career litigating copyright and technology cases for major record companies, including the seminal case against Napster. He is a lifelong metalhead, an avid consumer, analyst, and supporter of all things hard rock and heavy metal. He is a longtime friend and colleague, and I am super stoked he took time out of his day to chat with us today. So thanks for that, buddy. Thank you, Blasco. It's really uh, a pleasure to be invited to be here. Yes. Um, so, Eric, I'm I'm thinking back. I'm, I'm I'm racking my brain. Like we've known each other for longer than we ever worked together, but I don't remember exactly our like first meeting. Well, so, of course, there's that inevitable bond that uh, Los Angeles-based metalheads have. So many a beer-soaked <laughs> pit, I think, is uh, the first way that I can say that we met each other. But, uh, you know, we did business together primarily when you were getting into management, dealing with, um, uh, you were dealing with mercenary management, and we were handling, setting up some of that business. I also recall uh, you managing in this moment and dealing with some stuff for them very early on. Uh, upon the debut of their record. I think through the years then we've worked uh, a little bit on Black Veil Brides at one point. I think we did, uh, uh, you know, of course you managed the Butcher Babies for a while. And, uh, you know, uh, it just feels like many, many years of uh, lots of good results. Nice. So let's back it up. How did you first get started in the music business? You know, I think music is just in my DNA. I mean, to me, growing up, hard rock and heavy metal was everything. It was absolutely, you know, uh, posters on the wall. And, you know, I felt like part of a community. It was the most important thing in my life, I think, for a long period of time. And uh, I never let go of that. And so you, you could say I never grow up. But um, it's been, you know, to me, I was running, I guess, uh, you know, fanzines and early, early internet stuff. One of my uh, uh, college buddies sent out an email in the 90s called the Metal Update that at one point had 10 or 12,000 email addresses on the list, and he would digest the news every week and kind of email that around. So I met a whole bunch of people who was doing interviews and reviewing bands, uh, you know, for probably – uh, way longer than than I probably should have, and uh, when I started uh, working in uh, in the legal business and, and working on litigating uh, copyright cases for major labels, I was always in the at night going out to shows, and at some point I made partner and I wanted to kind of combine the two worlds. And obviously they say do what you love, and my passion has always been hard rock and heavy metal. So at one point 
I really started, I think I litigated some cases and got some people asking me if maybe I wanted to work on the other side of the, uh, the ledger, so to speak, and start doing transactional deals. Um, at one point, uh, I took on a representation of a, a small little heavy metal label called Century Media Records. And there was a guy named Oliver Vittoft who um, I met backstage at a Shadows Fall concert when Shadows Fall was doing really well. And the reason I'm remembering that particularly today is a guy named Jason Bittner, who I jammed with in high school. Uh, play, he just he just posted on my Facebook wall this week. He's the drummer for Overkill right now. And he was remembering as he's rehearsing songs for their tour that he and I uh, had played one of those songs, uh, you know, in 1987, back in in some dingy basement in Troy, New York. So, um, but when I, w I went to Sea Shadows Fall at a show, I met the Century Media guys, and they uh, were impressed with the fact that I knew who Nevermore and Arch Enemy and Iced Earth were at the same time I had been part of the team that had litigated the Napster case and had worked on cases for Eminem and Mariah Carey and Green Day and the like. So I think uh, they thought that was a unique combination. And uh, they said, I want you to do record deals for us. And I said, I think to Robert Kampf, I've never done a record deal. And he said, don't worry, we'll teach you. And here we are uh, many, many, many moons later. Uh, I think that's pretty much how it started. What would you consider your greatest achievement? Well, obviously the most high profile thing I've ever done was certainly part of the team that, that fought Napster where CNN was covering every hearing and all the, everything was on the cover of Time Magazine and such. But, you know, I've also done, uh, you know, many, many other pieces on the litigation side that uh, are, are major established precedent. Like I was part of a team that established the First Amendment right to include uh, trademarks in video games. Uh, I was part of a team that litigated, you know, several different things that were kind of seminal pieces in entertainment law. But on the music side, I mean, what I really love, a leopard can't hide its spots. And at the end of the day, uh, I don't think I answered your question before. I play guitar, bass, and drums on some level or another. And I think uh, uh, I just always wanted to, to be part of the creative side of things. So on that note, part of my greatest, so, you know, greatest accomplishments are many things that probably shouldn't be talked about publicly, but behind the scenes, keeping bands together, helping break bands, uh, letting people do uh, uh, you know, helping them to accomplish their dreams. And certainly, you know, uh, bringing us fast forward to today, I think as we sit here today on the rolling radio chart, I'm actually sitting on the number one song on active rock and the number four song on alternative rock with another one rising with a bullet on the dance charts. And my fantasy is that my greatest accomplishment in that regard is coming in the next couple of weeks where I may have the number one alternative song, number one active rock song and number one dance song all at the same time. You know, what's interesting is I don't think people realize that an attorney of all people on, on the team uh, can really be so involved and passionate about their projects. Like listen to how stoked you are. Uh, and, and I think most people interpretation uh, of what, uh, of what uh, an attorney does is just like legal, 
Like, you know what I mean? They look at contracts, they fucking, they, they get their red pen out. They, you know, they cross out stuff, they add stuff, they get on the phone, they yell at people. But I don't think people understand that, that attorneys and members of the team can be so passionate about the artists that they work with. So it's really great hearing that. Thank you. I mean, I think a lot of, hopefully some of my clients are probably listening to this and the people who know me and know me well would, would know uh, you know, I get involved and it's really at the level that the artist is interested in that involvement from me. But I do everything from I've helped bands choose uh, their band names, what they should wear. I've gone to the studio. I've helped with songwriting. I've helped with arrangements. I've helped, you know, obviously a lot. Many, many times I've been the first guy on the scene. So I've established a personal relationship with the artist and been the champion running around uh, town trying to find the record company, the publisher, the the booking agent, the business manager, et cetera, et cetera, the manager. And, uh, you know, I definitely have very often become, you know, very invested in this stuff. I like to believe I understand the business at a level that, uh, you know, I'm sort of a, a, a lawyer plus in the sense like I can assist the management team in that regard. And sometimes even the A&R. What happens if they call you and they go, Dude, fucking, uh, like, Jeff just broke his hand, man. We need you to fill in for a guitar. <laughs> I'm all in, brother. Let's do it. You know, now I think that there's probably better options. I, you know, Andy Sneap is available, I guess, right? Yeah, right. Okay, so, look, conversely, how about one misstep that you encountered along the way that you learned from? Well, I think, I think, first of all, I have a hard time saying no because I am so passionate. So... I've had to learn to say no because I've taken on many, many projects that didn't go anywhere. And I think I held on to them for too long. And, uh, you know, I, I, I hate to fail. And uh, sometimes it's just not working. And I think successful business practice would tell you, you got to get out. You know, you got to get out of things. You know this, Blasco, from our own dealings. There are things that both of us have had to move away from that weren't working. So, you know, I think part of it is, is it sounds like, you know, those those classic interview questions where they say, what's your worst, uh, your worst characteristic? And you say, well, my worst characteristic is I care too much. Right. I mean, but that's the truth. I, I think I care too much. And I think I become too personally invested in things that I don't have complete control. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not the one on the stage. I'm not the one writing the songs and I can only do so much. So, you know, putting so much of myself into projects that may or may not work out and then uh uh feeling like because i have a personal relationship with the artist uh you know it's it's tough to make the business decision to walk away when uh uh you know it may not be the best time for uh for that person they might really need you what is your best piece of advice for someone who is working towards a career in the music business uh be passionate and, and really just just insist on doing what you what you feel what you believe in in your heart um, I, they say you know that, that old phrase that if you do what you love you never work a day in your life and I, I really think that's true I think I think you can do anything related to you can do anything that you want to do if you feel it and you understand it and you understand your clients so for example if you're an expert in death metal, then you could be the best accountant, lawyer, manager, uh, internet service provider. I don't know. Whatever you do for a living, if you focus on an industry that you love, that it's easy and organic for you to really uh, embrace 
and the the process of learning everything about it is really authentic and and real. Um, it's kind of the flip side of what I just said about caring too much. It's uh, if you do something that you care a lot about, I think uh, you'll wake up one day and realize you've gained a lot of progress and you have a lot of the inside track on people that are really just there to make a dollar and they don't have that passion. I often talk a lot about in terms of coming from a band, right? Like I often talk a lot about like really niching down what it is because there's, there's nothing more underwhelming than trying to appeal to everyone. Right. And so as you talk, I'm kind of going like, yeah, like look, use Eric as, as an example, even though he's an attorney, he's a metalhead attorney. Like Eric is, you've really niched yourself down to a dude that, goes to the office, right? You go to the, the law office with all the, the name, the names on the, on the door and you do your law practice. But as soon as you're out of there, you're in the clubs, you're passionate about the bands you work with, you're supporting the bands, right? Like you're, you're a legal metalhead. There's not many of you. Like, I don't, I don't know. And, I, and I don't know any less, other lawyers that are like you. Sadly, yeah. less this year, Blasco, as you know, our mutual friend, uh, God rest his soul, uh, Ian Friedman passed away earlier this year, which, uh, it means that there's just one less of us out there. Um, I'm yep. literally as crazy as this sounds getting on a plane Friday and flying to North Carolina to spend the day at Carolina rebellion. Cause I have five acts on the Saturday at the show and is that fun? Yeah, it's probably some fun. Is it a lot of work, long way to go for a rock concert? Absolutely. But, uh, you know, if I can check in and catch the latest tour of five different acts on the same day and then get on the plane and be home by noon on Sunday, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I was I was talking to uh, a manager yesterday and I was telling him about my weekend, right? Because uh, with Ozzy, we went and we played uh, Welcome to Rockville on Friday. Right. And then we went and then we went to Fort Lauderdale for the day off on Saturday. And then Sunday we played Fort Rock in Fort Lauderdale. And so on the Saturday on the day off, what did I do? I went to Fort Rock. <laughs> I, I, I hopped in an Uber. I went to Fort Rock and he was like, why would you do that? And I was like, because it was where the metal was. It was where it was where the people were. It was where the action was. What else was I going to do on a Saturday? Like sit in my room and you know look at fucking whatever shop on Amazon. You know it was that's, like that's it, was, it was what there was to do. You have to yeah. do, and you've been in this for your whole game. I was talking to Dione Sepulveda, who's the manager, as you know, of asking Alexandra, who's also flying out for the day for uh, Saturday at Carolina Rebellion. Um, and and I, I know that he uh, he was saying. It's no big deal, man. I travel so much because I believe people may or may not know Dion is the tour manager for Avenged Sevenfold as well. And he uh, he's, he travels so much that he's like, it's just like a bus ride. It's just like the regular commute, you know, to get on a plane for a few hours, throw on your headphones and, and go to sleep. And then there you are. So, um, you know, if, if this is what you do, it's what you do. And, and uh, I love just going to these festivals, looking around, seeing how they set it up, seeing what kind of fans are there, soaking in every bit of sort of uh, anecdotal an uh, uh, analytics. I will call it anecdotal analytics of just sitting there, seeing how the bands relate, what the fans are like, what the festival is like, and just taking that all as data that I use to uh, help advise my clients. What is your unique strength? I mean, I think dealing with people. Um, you know, sometimes uh, I think 
there are many, many people can review a contract and tell you that you should ask for, uh, you know, change this royalty rate to another one. And I think that many, uh, you know, but I think what I'm really good at is dealing with people, reading the room, getting a sense of where someone's coming from and helping to figure out how we can both get what we want. That's, uh, I think I'm pretty good at that. I think also I'm fairly empathetic and I understand, uh, uh, you know, where people are coming from. I guess that's related to that point. Finally, I, I do think, as you identified before, there's not too many people. I remember I work for an organization called A2IM, which is an association of uh, independent labels. I remember way back when, when Roadrunner was independent, sitting with a guy named Doug Keogh and talking about old King Diamond, Sepultura and Typo Negative records. And he couldn't believe that the guy that was litigating these high-level copyright cases for major labels could could talk, tell the difference between Fatal Portrait and Abigail. And uh, uh, similarly, that's how I got the gig, you know, backstage at that Shadows Falls show so many years ago with Century Media. That you know, I think my unique ability is I can tell you uh, what the elements of, of vicarious liability are and the Supreme Court's latest pronouncement of that test, and I can also tell you the difference between the politics of ecstasy by nevermore and, uh, uh, you know, uh, and, and the latest, uh, uh, arch enemy record. It's interesting, right? Because we're all just people. We roll a lot in the same circles, right? Like we're in LA that you're, you're friendly and colleagues with a lot of attorneys. However, you have to negotiate against them probably all the time, like people that you're friends with. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and sometimes these negotiations get heated, but I, at the end of the day, you can still meet up at the rainbow with this person and have a beer. Right. I mean, Absolutely. it's, it's like business and pleasure like this. It's it. Right. Absolutely. I mean, look, at the end of the day, the, the great thing is if I don't have a, a lot of strength in a negotiation, uh, I'm going to recognize that. And I don't try to overplay my hand. Um, so, you know, how can anybody be mad at somebody just doing their job? But that said, you, you know, oftentimes business is about business and it's not necessarily about friends and you do have to kind of, uh, step on the neck once in a while and push things a little hard. Sometimes people are being unreasonable, but that's where the people skills come in, where you try to, you know, uh, divorce the personal from the, the facts or to the contrary, lean very heavily on the personal to try to get the job done. What are you most fired up about right now? Uh, right now, I, I'm I'm really excited about what's happening with Bad Wolves. I know, uh, you know, the uh, the primary driver of that band right now is a cover song, and there are some people that are uh, that that you know may think that that's going to be hard to replicate going forward. But what it represents to me is is a very exciting culmination of. Uh, one of my clients, I represent a guy named Zoltan Bathory, and he and I have been working together for a while uh, just discussing the music business, like just over many years, just talking about bands. And I recognize this guy's unique ability to spot when someone has the DNA for success, uh, even better than than anyone really, or very few people really have this. He, he's able to identify, uh, you know, the delta, I guess, between where somebody's at and where somebody might be able to get to. And uh, through many, many conversations, he and I had talked about trying to find opportunities for him to step in and assist with uh, with artists. And it was a lot of discussion because it was very difficult to find that artist that, that he thought was uh, he was going to be able to affect that change because there's a lot that would go into the analysis. Um, but when we found these guys... 
uh, and we decided to finally give it a shot. To be sitting here talking to you today and sitting at number one on Active Rock Radio uh, is is pretty cool, man. And and it, it gives me hope that uh, we're going to be able to do it again. Um, it's uh, so that's that that's what I'm most fired up about today. What is your one prediction for the future of the music business? I think I think it's growth. I think we're all going to make a lot more money. I think it's very funny to say, but I am as bull, uh, bullish on on this whole thing as I've been in uh, in a long time. I think that uh, uh, we are uh, in a in a era where streaming is finally even in metal you know, accepted as the dominant uh, uh, way that we're going to get paid on the recording side. And I think the growth is going to be exponential. So it's pretty cool. If you take whatever people are making right now and look at what they're going to be making in five years, I don't know, is it going to double? Is it going to triple? Is it going to quadruple? But I think it's a really exciting time. Um, So the future of the music business is that uh, I think a lot of the transition is, is starting to fall into place. And I think it's now going to be a boom time. What qualities do you look for in a new client? I mean, again, that goes back to that, that thing about, you know, where I was explaining the Zoltan has that unique ability to recognize that DNA. I mean, for me, I'm looking for a great team and a great platform. And this is new, Blasco. This is different than I used to look at it. I'm looking at a group of people that can affect this, right? You've seen many, many artists, you know, be in one position and then make a move to be in another and really accelerate their career. So, you know, no matter how good the music is, sometimes they're not set up to win. Now, why why would that be? Is that because of the individual personalities in the band? Is that because of uh, uh, personal problems that hold them back? Is that because they're playing music that's limiting in, in some respect? Or is that because uh, uh, they don't have the team that or the label that can effectuate that? So what I'm looking for now is either great talent and great people that want to and know how to win and want to start a business, Blasco. And, and, and that want to start a business that's not not a polka business, right? Because there's not really that much market for. So that what I'm looking for people that have a good business sense, that are ambitious about starting a business in a lane that can be commercially successful and that don't have the baggage uh, that would prevent them from not obtaining that success. And that baggage can come in the form of the personal issues or, or being tied to agreements that are going to hold them back. So, you know, uh, I, I, hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, I mean, look, a, a hypothetical, there's a young band listening to this episode. They've just had a record company throw a contract in front of them. Is it something to where they can reach out to you and just be like, look, man, I'm not saying that you know we need to get in heavy-duty business together, but we just got this contract. We don't know what to do with it. Can you look at it? And and if you can, how does how does that transaction work, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you're a big guy, you're a busy dude, you got a lot of clients, right? But like, I obviously, I have always said that. Look, you cannot sign draft one of your contract because you're so excited. You you have to have legal look at it. And when I mean legal, I mean music legal, not like a, an injury attorney, right? right? So, that, I mean, I probably consummate 50 record deals a year, right? And that's because I do get a lot of those phone calls. 
hey, can you look at my agreement? The beautiful thing is many of the record companies are willing to pay a legal fee, uh, especially if it's of any significant size, the record deal that you're doing. They're willing. There's a legal fee that's often baked into the contract. So if I can get paid something that's worthy of my time from the person that's trying to sign them, uh, then, yeah, I can I can get involved and I'm happy to get those phone calls because those legal fees can be, you know, uh, a lot more money than you think sometimes. Um, it, it's only then, though, the ones that we were talking before about my unique value proposition and what I do and that sort of level of passion and all of that that I bring. That's where I'm looking for people like Zoltan or somebody else that can spot that special DNA. And if I become convinced that there's something truly special, then it's very exciting for me to get involved as a team member for the long haul. And, you know, I'm sitting here looking at a band like Asking Alexandria, and I've worked, I've been through all the ups and downs with them over many, many years. And believe me, there's been ups and downs, um, but I'm really excited where they're at. And that's a band that's a long-term relationship. But what you're talking about, a band that, that maybe is just a band or a, a good band or a pretty good band, uh, but doesn't have that super, super special DNA, but they need someone to take a look at a contract. Of course, I'm available to do that, especially if uh, I can be confident someone's going to pay me. What would be a new level for you? I mean, uh, a new level is I want to be, <laughs> this is crazy, but I, I'd like to be the guy in this business. I would like to really spend the next you know year, a couple years focusing on trying to really be the heavy, hard rock, heavy metal, or just playing music lawyer of my generation. It's, you know, I don't play in the pop world uh, generally. I don't play in the hip hop world generally. And those are obviously the most successful genres right now. But a new level for me would be at least to be a dominant force in the genre that you and I come up in. And, uh, you know, I want to be working with headliner level bands uh, on a long-term basis. Living or dead, who are the members of your ultimate super group? <laughs> Living or dead, who are the members of my ultimate super group? Uh, uh, Roger Waters, David Gilmore, Nick Mason, Richard Brown. I'm just kidding. Like, I, uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I think that, uh, uh, you know, I was a huge World Dane fan. I've referenced them a couple times here. I think he's one of the most underrated vocalists, but obviously a guy that in many ways had his own demons that got in the way. Um, but I would love the right, you know, metal band with him there, maybe a Dimebag Daryl on guitar. Um, let's, let's throw, uh, you know, somebody like Mike Portnoy on drums. And, uh, okay. <laughs> and how about- well, let's, let's, let's switch up the question a little yeah. bit. Of all the instruments that you played, guitar, bass, and drums, mm -hmm. pick pick your favorite instrument to play, and what band would you wish that you were in? Oh, my favorite instrument to play is absolutely... I mean, the most fun instrument to play is drums, but the, 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 the most, you know, the, kind of the, the depth of palette that you can achieve on guitar is, uh, is, is really, really, truly special. Um, what band would I have wanted been in... Uh, Metallica. As a drummer, like as a drummer, right? You go like, oh man, playing drums is so fun. What band would have been the most fun for you to play drums? Metallica. 
Okay. Because I just feel that music so much. And I think the genre, like when I learned to play guitar and I learned about music, I learned those riffs. And so, you know, you're always, your first love is always truly special, right? And and I guess I think about music the way that uh, Metallica writes it. And I think that, um, you know, uh, I, I love that sort of A440. I'm not super into the super down-tuned uh, stuff. I like that, the kind of feel of those classic records that have that standard tuning. Um, and uh, I think a lot of the Ozzy stuff before his voice uh, uh, changed a little bit was probably all standard tuning Blasco, if I'm right. And, uh, you know, the Black Sabbath and stuff like that. I, I just love that era of things. But, but Metallica added the kind of complexity of songwriting and the uh, and the riffage, the right hand riffage is super fun. So I guess to to go back and amend my answer, I would love to play James Hetfield style rhythm guitar in Metallica in the Master of Puppets era. Wow, cool. Well, dude, thanks for taking the time. I know you're a busy guy, and I sincerely appreciate you taking the time. So, if someone wanted to reach out to you, if someone wants to follow you on social media, where can anybody do that? So I I. I active on Facebook, which shows my age. I'm EJ German. Uh, same thing on Instagram, EJ German. And uh, same thing on Twitter, EJ German. My what? My law firm website is msk.com. That's www.m as in Mary, s as in Sam, k as in kittycat.com. And my email address is on that website. It's ejg, my initials, at msk.com. Awesome, man. Thanks again. Thank you. A New Level Podcast is brought to you by Musicians Institute. Headphones provided by Monster Products. Editing and music by Blake Bunzel. Logo designed by Mango Beard. I produced this show with my managemental co-host from the other coast, Mr. Mike Mowry for Jabberjaw Media. Email me questions or comments at askblasco at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or were nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.
This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.